the most difficult parts of life are the most important. And stories, whether they're fantastical ones or real ones, show us that because it's in that difficulty that we grow and we learn. If everything is just a piece of cake, then the story's not very interesting. Hello, fellow geeks. This is Jay Shear, host of the Story Geeks podcast and co-founder of the Reclamation Society. As a writer, I care deeply about storytelling. I love exploring my favorite sci-fi, fantasy, and comic book stories, really diving deeper into them to expose the important themes that shape our culture. On today's podcast, Daryl Smith, the other host of the Story Geeks podcast, discusses Kubo and the Two Strings with Jack Latour. I personally had some issues with this story, which I think is a controversial opinion, but Daryl and Jack do an amazing job of breaking down the major themes, and they're both pretty big fans of this film. Here is their deeper dive into Kubo and the Two Strings. Well, hello everybody. Welcome to the Story Geeks podcast. Uh, My name is Daryl Smith. I'll be your host. And today we have a special guest with us by the name of Jack Latour. Jack, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Glad to be here, Daryl. Let me tell you a little bit about Jack. Jack is an old friend. Jack is many things. He's an old friend. He is the guy who officiated my wedding. (laughs) (laughs) That was a good day. Uh, That was a good day. Um, And among many things, Jack has been a pastor. Um, I think what Jack would say most about himself is that he's a storyteller. That would be true. And he loves stories. In fact... Um, he is the proprietor of Jack Latour Inc. That's I N K. Period. Um, writer, editor, storyteller, which you can find online at Jack L T. That's J A C L T. WordPress.com. So again, Jack, thanks for being with us. My pleasure. Looking forward to it. <laughs> this is inaugural. I've never done a podcast before. Really? Never. I've never done a non-story geeks podcast before. So, <laughs> but uh, this will be fun. Yeah. Um, Today, we get to talk about a really cool movie. We're going to talk about Kubo and the Two Strings, which was one of my favorite movies from last year. Um, I kind of feel like it didn't get the recognition it deserved. It got a little bit of Oscar attention, but uh, just a really, really incredibly special movie, I think. But it might be one that is lesser known, so I'm going to give you a quick synopsis, and I'll be honest with you, I'm just reading the back of the Blu-ray box here, so... (laughs) um, So, Kubo and the Two Strings, it says, Kubo mesmerizes the people in his village with his magical gift for spinning wild tales with origami. When he accidentally summons an evil spirit seeking vengeance, Kubo is forced to go on a quest to solve the mystery of his fallen samurai father and his mystical weaponry, as well as discover his own magical powers. And something special about this movie is, it is, I believe, the fourth film from Laika, who you would know from movies like Coraline and Paranorman and the Box Trolls. So if you're not familiar with Kubo and the Two Strings, hopefully that's enough to get you there. And if not, go watch this movie and then come back and listen to the rest of this (laughs) because it's incredible. And this will also be fun because we literally just watched the movie. Yeah. We just turned it off and now we're sitting down to talk about it. So that might be a Story Geeks podcast first. Yeah. And it was my first. I hadn't seen it before. Yeah. Only my second time. So, well, as usual, when we start off here, we start off with a spoiler-free review section. So, um, we're going to do a few 1 to 10 ratings here. So, Jack, on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate the overall quality of Kubo and the Two Strings? It would be high. 
as in, I ha I don't know that I've rated, I, I rate a lot of things on 1 to 10. Uh, I'm not sure I've rated films, but I'd give it an 8.5 to 9. It's that good. Yeah, I agree. I would actually, I mean, even just technically, you oh. know, it's stop motion animation like, like as other films are and. I, I'm okay giving it a 10, Yeah. quite frankly. Yeah. Yeah, it is remarkably... It's exquisite in its execution of that art form. Yeah. So, and really quickly, speaking of the 1 to 10 scale, I should also point out that Jack is also an old friend of Jay Shears, <laughs> who is the, uh, the usual host of this podcast and the executive director of the Reclamation Society. Um, and Jay's the big proponent of the 1 to 10 scale. Yeah. You'll have to ask him. He may have gotten it from me. Really? I think I oh. think he would admit that he did. I could be wrong. You'll have to ask okay. him. Okay. Well, he'll hear this. So when he, when he records his Jay. intro, he can correct it. So yeah. Jay, let us know if that's true, if you're willing to give up credit for that. <laughs> mm. um, okay, so you'd say 8.5, 9. Yeah. I'm going to go Solid. all the way up to a 10. I'm an optimistic movie raider. I'm so, seeing that. Yeah, yeah. I like to like things. <laughs> um, okay, let's talk about story depth on a scale of 1 to 10. What would you give it for depth of story? For me, depth of story is complex, but um, a driving through thread is creativity. This film is extremely creative. When I watch films, I, I think, I, I try to think, could I have thought of that? <laughs> <laughs> and usually the answer is no. But in this case, absolutely not. Uh, the creativity used to uh, build this story is powerful. There, there are those scenes where the evil shows up. Mm -hmm. And um, three times as we're watching this, it's almost, it's almost as if the hair stood up on my... Yeah. Yeah. It's that well done. It is. It's scary, which is interesting because we were sitting watching it with my four-year-old son. Who is and, <laughs> and it's the second time he's seen this movie, and those parts are scary, and he gets scared, but but it's not inappropriate for him. Yeah. And I like not. him to see it because I like him to see where it all ends up, which we won't give away yet. Yeah. Um, so, I'm sorry, was there a number in there? Did you have a oh, number? Oh, there's a number on that on that question too. Oh, that's uh, nine. <laughs> nine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. I'd go nine as well. Um, I do sort of feel like maybe a couple things could have been fleshed out a little bit more, and that might have enhanced things a little bit here and there. Mm -hmm. But, but yeah, I never could have thought of it. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not a writer and a storyteller, so I can't think of anything, but <laughs> but I agree. Yeah, watching it a second time, as is typically the case with a film, you see much more and catch much more and think more yeah. about how it's done. Although um, we watched it pretty late the first time, and I think I slept through some of it, so okay. I think I watched part of it for the first time. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, okay, our last category is likelihood to refer. On a scale of 1 to 10, how likely would you be to... Tell someone else to go and watch this. Yeah. Um, as you were setting up for the podcast, I texted my son to see if he and his family have watched it. <laughs> yeah. Because if they haven't, they're going to... Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I will gladly refer this film. Yeah. Uh, Me too. I'd go all the way up to 10. Are you saying 10? 
Ten. Ten. Ten on the refer. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun to refer. I love to refer good films. Yeah. Um, and especially if it's a good film people haven't heard of. Yeah. And then they watch it and they agree with you and then they refer, which is how it all yeah. gains traction. <clears throat> yeah, I like to champion movies that deserve to be championed. Yeah. yeah. You know, to the three or four people that will actually listen to me. But <laughs> still... Star Wars fans, we are giving away two very special Star Wars prizes to Reclamation Society email subscribers. If you subscribe to the Reclamation Society's email updates, you are entered to win the Art of Rogue One. But thanks to a special donation from Daryl Smith, who is also one of the other hosts of the Story Geeks podcast, we have a second prize, a never-before-watched copy of The Phantom Menace on VHS. That means we have two super cool collector's items, and all you have to do is subscribe to our email updates. Which, by the way, you should do anyways. So, go visit www.reclamationsociety.org, and you can enter to win there. The link is in the show notes, so go subscribe now! Okay, well... That's going to wrap it up for our, our spoiler-free portion of the podcast. So at this point, if you have not seen Kubo and the Two Strings and you don't want us to ruin it for you, this is the time to turn this off, go watch it, and then come back and listen to the rest of this. There you go. So let's move into some of the deeper themes here, which there's a few really big ones. Um, I think maybe we can kind of start off talking about something that you mentioned before we started talking here, which is, um, you know, this the movie features humanity and it features deity. Right. And at least from our worldview, from a Christian worldview, it looks very different than we would say that it looks to us. Mm-hmm. So you were kind of talking about that. Why don't you yeah, expand I, on that? Yeah, I bit? think it flips it, Daryl. Um, deity is uh, the, less, uh, the lesser in this film, at least deity minus humanity. And it's, it's the humanity that gives deity its power and its uh, completeness, if you will. Um, it, it's funny with uh, Nolan, your son, watching with us, I'm thinking, uh, he's not thinking about that stuff. He's no. just watching a, a He just likes movie. the sword fights. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's when a movie is this um, rich, you find yourself trying to unpack it as you're watching it, which can make it hard to watch sometimes because right. you're trying to so well how does that fit and is that am I, am I okay with that but um, especially if you know you have to talk about it right after yeah, totally. so, sorry yeah. about that pressure yeah <laughs> but um, you, you know anytime you take deity and humanity and shuffle the deck differently than perhaps those who are big into orthodoxy or comfortable with you know you're going to create some Fire and Smoke. Uh, the yeah. Shack has done that. The Shack mm. was a great book. I haven't seen the movie, but I bet it'll be a terrific movie. Mm-hmm. And you know, enough said on that. Yeah. Fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, to clarify a little bit, let me tell you guys a little bit more about the story because the, the description on the box is pretty vague. So kind of what this is about, Kubo is the child of a, I don't know if they would say God, but he's the child of a celestial being and a human man. So, and basically his grandfather is this celestial being. He's the deity 
Maybe maybe the deity. Yeah, maybe he's their version of God. And he has three daughters, one of which is Kubo's mother. And the basic story is he sends um, Kubo's mother to kill this character named Hanzo. But as she goes to kill him, she falls in love with him. And Kubo becomes the product of that. And then um, the grandfather wants to kill Kubo, and in doing so, he takes one of his eyes, and then he wants to finish the job and take his other eye, but his mom has escaped with him and hides him, and so the movie is about his grandfather trying to reclaim him, um, also by using, to get that eye, also by using his mother's two sisters, who are these creepy witches, which are, that's one of my favorite parts of the movie. I love how they're, (laughs) how well they're done. Um, And so it's his journey to find these three magical artifacts of Hanzo, his father, and kind of figure out who he is, become this warrior, figure out who his family was while trying to survive his grandfather's attack. So when we talk about deity versus humanity, you know, for us, our version of deity is God. It's Jesus Christ who is compassionate and merciful and and gracious and loving. And then we as humans are the ones who are fallible and fallen so well in the movie as jack was talking about it seems to be just the opposite mm-hmm. you know his grandfather is evil he's he seems yeah. pretty evil yeah. and he's cold and heartless and selfish which is on the on this podcast we often talk about this definition of a villain is is selfishness somebody mm-hmm. who's only out for their their own interests um and then the humans are the ones who are compassionate and loving and enlightened mm-hmm. perhaps so yeah you're right it is an interesting flipping of those two yeah 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 so um so okay so let's talk about um this area of legacy so you know we have kubo's grandfather who is this evil presence and he is endeavoring to escape him but in doing so he learns more about his mother and his father, and that sort of helps form him into who he is. Um, So legacy is a big deal for Kubo and in this story. So how do you see that? How do you see legacy kind of informing who you are as a person? Hmm. Talk to to me a little bit about that. Sure. Uh, Another part of that in the story, Daryl, before I expose myself is uh, <laughs> the the village you know uh, Kubo and his mom she's got him safely kind of stashed yeah. away in this in this this cave type uh, home uh, but they're near this village and the people in the village as the movie plays out that legacy theme really strengthens um, because they're a, they're a people and they connect with their ancestors and yeah. so there's that legacy there and there's a lot of talk in the in the film about story and legacy is stories that are remembered and told right. again and told again and told again. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, uh, and there's even sorry not to interrupt yeah. you, but there's even a day of celebration where what they're celebrating is the legacy of their ancestors and yeah. the people who came before them. And they're literally going to their grave sites and communing with them yeah. in a way. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and for me, 
and I think for many, legacy is um, who doesn't think about how will people remember me? Yeah. And what kind of a story am I leaving? Um, when I say who doesn't think about that, okay, I'm the optimist like you. Uh, many people <laughs> probably don't think about that, and it's it's day-to-day, and we wish more people would think about yeah. the the story they're writing and the legacy they're leaving. <clears throat> but, that, I mean, that's a big deal to me, and it has yeah. been since I was a kid. I was... I was the kid that cared about people. I uh, cared, like many of us, too much about what people thought of me for a mm. long time. And you know, it's hard to to write a true story, if you will, if you're overly concerned about what people think about you. But um, you know, passing along to my kids, I've got two sons and two grandkids. Passing along to them. Um, values that are enduring is a big deal to me and if you you know if my sons were here podcasting with us i hope they'd agree (laughs) oh man we should podcast with your sons that would be awesome that would be fun they'd do great they would maybe one day so yeah I, i i care deeply about legacy um you know there's there's an old hymn, it might not be that old, but uh, the line that I remember is, may those who come behind us find us faithful. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I would, I would hope that would be true of you and me and you know, those we, we know and love. Faithful to who we were, to what we've been given. Good, you know, we took what we've been given and made the best possible use of it. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. How about you? Yeah, I think about it a lot too. I, it's weird. I'm sort of in this place because my children are young. I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old, also mm-hmm. two boys. And so I'm sort of in this place where legacy for me is shooting out in both directions. Like <laughs> I'm thinking about what I'm going to leave behind to my boys. I'm thinking about what I'm teaching them, mm-hmm. You know what they're taking from me. Hopefully some things they won't take from me. Yeah. Um, but I'm also thinking about my dad and I'm thinking about things that I took from him and values that he taught me and still teaches me Mm -hmm. that I want to teach them as powerfully as he teaches them to me. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, I think about it a lot because I'm sort of in that in-between world. Mm -hmm. But legacy, I've talked about this on other podcasts here before, but legacy is actually a big part of why I would call myself a geek. Hmm why I would actually even be into comics and movies and all this kind of stuff. And it's because when I first got into comics, I discovered a comic called The New Teen Titans, which I don't know if you've ever heard of that. I know you're not a comic guy. (laughs) But um, the Teen Titans are basically the sidekicks of the superheroes. Oh, wow. So it's Robin and Kid Flash and Wonder Girl and, you know, Green Arrow's sidekick and Aquaman's sidekick and stuff like that. Yeah. And it started in the 60s, but I discovered it in the 80s when they were called the New Teen Titans, and they were no longer teens. They'd grown up and become adults and become heroes in their own right. Mm. So for me, I was a kid growing up watching Batman and Robin cartoons and watching the 60s TV show 
and I loved all things Batman and Robin, mm. and I thought that Batman was the greatest character ever. You know, like, this is just the coolest thing. And then I find new Teen Titans, and I find Robin, Dick Grayson, no longer Robin. He's now grown up and become Nightwing. <laughs> and he has taken what he learned from Batman, both the good and the bad, mm. and let it inform him as a new person. And he's become this other hero. And so from then on, Batman was no longer my favorite character. Nightwing was my favorite Interesting. character. So, and to this day, that's still true. And other characters like that. Sure. Like um, the Winter Soldier. I don't know if you've seen Captain America, Winter Soldier. There's a similar thing there mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So mm. I've said all that on these podcasts before. I don't have to get into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's just a little bit. And, and on I why. can confess, uh, Daryl, you know this. I am not a comic guy. I know, um, but you're a story guy. I'm a story guy. And I grew up um, loving comics. But when, you know, then I quit reading comics and then I, I show up and I meet you and I found out there's a, there's a whole layer of adults who are totally into comics. I, <laughs> oh, yeah. I, even, I even know a, a guy who I, I've told you about, a, a guy that. Uh, one of my sons worked with who mm -hmm. uh, he's a he cre he's a comic artist yeah and he, and he's just about ready to release his own new comic series Native American guy and he's a phenomenal artist and, yeah. and a comic geek like you yeah it's a whole other world yeah but the name of the podcast is the Story Geeks Podcast and not the Comic that Geeks Podcast. So, so we're good. Don't worry, you still fit right in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you my favorite comic when I was a kid was the Fantastic Four. Really? Oh, yeah. That's got to be one of my least favorite. What, what, uh, why was it one of your favorites? Well, it was so memorable. Um, okay. And, I and the memory part is I remember this one comic, they, they overcame some villains and... Um, the eternal punishment for the villains was, and I'm pretty sure it was a, a Fantastic Four, maybe I mixed up, is they turned these villains into cat, cows who just spent the rest of their lives wandering around in a field. Really? And, and I'm thinking, what a bummer, you know, going from being some big superstar <laughs> to being a cow walking around in a field. That's how much I remember the story, but... I cannot confirm if that's Fantastic Four or not. Yeah, so probably maybe it isn't. I probably morphed it into something else. Editor's note: It is Fantastic Four. So whether it's comics, whether it's movies, stories are stories. Yeah. And stories are important. Um, they're a huge part of this movie. You know, Kubo. The movie is. It's kind of a story about story. It is. Um, and so you know and. In the beginning, Kubo uses the stories, the tales of his father that his mother told him. He uses them to escape this difficult reality where he's living in a cave with a mom, with his mom who's, because of a head injury she sustains early in the movie, she's sort of drifting away a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and he never knew his dad. So he's sort of living through these fantastical stories yeah. that... Yeah. He learns that he that he many of that he can't quite finish because he doesn't know the end, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of what the movie is. The movie yeah. gives him it fills all those gaps in for yeah. him, but it's a way for him to escape. It's a way for him to find hope. It's a way for him to find identity, especially kind of throughout the film, mm -hmm. which is I'm guessing something you can relate to. Yeah. In a big way. Yeah. Well, story, uh, and we talked about this a little bit ago too, story, uh, 
there's an irony for me. So this is a kid's film. I mean, technically. But technically. It's, it, but yeah. it's, it's really... It's heavy. It's, in a, it's, it's dark. A, it's in everybody's film. Yeah. Uh, so if you go from... So the opposite of a kid's film would be like a total brainiac head guy. And there's a theologian who is that. His name is N.T. Wright. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever read anything by N.T. Wright, you know he's very heady. He's, he's just a brilliant man. Brilliant thinker. And... Um, one of his um, strong contentions is that story is how we understand the world. It's how we understand reality. Yeah. It's how we make sense of things. And um, stories help, they form our worldviews. And worldviews are changed because stories change mm -hmm. and they Im impact the worldview. So uh, to see the in this film the idea of story... What you're seeing is what what I just talked about, and what what we've said. We're we're watching story do what story does, bring make sense of life. Yeah. Um, bring drama and peace and comfort and fear. It's all there. Yeah. It's it's just a great package and. I'm not sure, even though you did pitch it as a really terrific film before we watched it tonight, I'm not sure what <laughs> I was expecting, but I don't think I expected it to do that that well. Yeah. I, I wasn't quite sure what I was walking into. I, I didn't the first time I saw it either. I mean, I'd just come off of seeing a trailer and just thought it looked cool. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'd heard a few really good things about it, so we took a chance and just bought it. Yeah. And watched it, and we were like, oh my gosh. Yeah. So. Ten. It's so good. It's a 10. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I feel the same way. I feel like story is kind of how we relate to the world around us, especially if we are geeks of something, you mm -hmm. know? Um, like, for me, a lot of the stories that I follow tend to be these really fantastical stories, you know, with superheroes and adventure and action and stuff like that. And... There's a lot of escapism in that, but there's also a lot of hope in it and overcoming mm -hmm. darkness and, you know, the hope of the good in people. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's funny because, so I love serialized storytelling. I think that's one of the reasons that I like comics so much is because mm. the stories just keep going. Yeah. And that's, I like, I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe because the story just keeps going. <laughs> And I love movie franchises because you get more and more story and mm. great TV shows are the same way. But I've, it's interesting when I look at following those stories versus kind of looking at the story of my life. In those stories, I love change. I love when things get shaken up. Mm. Um, even death, like you don't want people to die, but there's some interest in storytelling if you know if you bring life and death into it and there's mm -hmm. high stakes and stuff like that and so i always want stakes and changes and things in the stories that i watch but if i look at the story of my life i don't want those things yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. like oh, yeah. like health problems financial problems whatever it may be you know life isn't as dramatic as the stories that i tend to follow mm -hmm. but but it's funny because as I'm living my story, I don't want those things. But even as I look back at my own story, 
and see some of those things that I've gone through, mm. then I do appreciate them. Yeah, yeah. So are you well, kind one, of the same way as you're living life? Yeah, one of, one of the things, an adage that I, uh, I'm fond of citing is that the most difficult parts of life are the most important. Yeah. And stories, whether they're fantastical ones or real ones, show us that because it's in that difficulty that we grow and we learn. If everything is just a piece of cake, then the story's not very interesting. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's just kind of there. Yeah. Um, you know, it's in the midst of those hard things that um, we discover things about ourselves we didn't know. We get introduced to other people. They become part of the story, and they wouldn't have if it hadn't been so hard. Mm -hmm. and, you, and then who hasn't looked back on one of those hard chapters in their story and said, <coughs> um, wouldn't ever want to go through it again, but don't want to give back anything I got right. by going through it. Right. So, yeah, I'm very much like that. It's funny when you were talking, Daryl, I remembered uh, one way that stories, a blending of the fantastical and the kind of normal mundane everyday yeah. life story come together is in our dreams. Yeah. And, and I'm a vivid dreamer. I have been since I was a kid. I would wake up in, in the morning and I'd tell my mom my dreams and she'd look at me like I was out of my mind because <laughs> they're just so crazy. And one of the frustrations often in a dream would be that because we know the fantastic stories, you just sort of assume in your dream that you kind of got that going on. Mm -hmm. So I, I remember one where as a little kid, I, in my dream, I got a can of spinach and I was going to eat it like Popeye and be strong. Right. And, uh, and I got, I ate the spinach and nothing <laughs> like, this is not right. The story is not playing Denied. out. The way I, I, I just, it wasn't a good story, hmm. but I, I love the arc of stories. That's why the ones that are so well told stick and why we give them 10s and encourage right, people right, to, right. to watch them. Yeah. Um, I also want, so that I don't forget, for me, one of the one of the best uses of story is to invite someone to tell theirs. Mm -hmm. um, because that's how we... That's how we get to know people, right? And uh, so often you step into a difficult, you know, an unfamiliar situation or, you know, a gathering with people you don't know. And all you have to do is ask somebody to tell you their story and suddenly it's not awkward anymore. Yeah. Because nine, nine out of ten people are going to do that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there will be those who won't. But, yeah, great question. No, it's true. And, you know, I was talking about the whole, I like changes and stakes and drama in stories and not so much in real life. But I've been finding the older I get and the more I have going on in my life and the more things I care about in my life, hmm. those two are starting to come together. Now, that doesn't mean I like drama and stuff in my life. That hasn't changed. But I'm starting to be more sensitive to it in the stories that I watch. Hmm. So, for instance... You know, having two boys now, um, we'll take a, ridic a ridiculous example. So, the Fast and Furious franchise. Mm. I don't know if you've seen any of those I have, movies. Yeah. Uh, I'll admit, they're pretty fun to watch. Oh, they're super fun. Yeah. I love them. Yeah. I will, I'll admit all day long that I love those movies. Yeah. 
But you're not, you know, you're not going to those for depth. Right. You're going to those for escapism. Yeah. It's like live cartoons. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But there's a scene in the seventh one, so not the one that's out now, but the one that came out before it, mm. where um, uh, there's a, they realize that there's a bomb in their house. And so, and they're all outside, so nobody's in the house when this bomb goes off, but it goes off. And as it's happening, Paul Walker is standing next to a minivan and his son, his little son, who's maybe three or four, is in the minivan. And he's putting him in there to get him ready to go to school. Mm. And as soon as this blast starts to come, Paul sees it coming and then he turns around and slams the door of the minivan and the blast shoves him into the window and hits his head against the glass and it mm. cracks and everything. But he saves his son. He's mm. protect- And he doesn't die or anything. He's, yeah, yeah. he's okay, but he's protecting his son. And so a scene like that, if I would have watched that scene 10 years ago, I would have been like, oh, yeah, cool. He saved his son, you know, mm-hmm. good action. Yeah. Nowadays, I can't watch that scene without crying. because yeah. <laughs> And this is Fast and the Furious of all things. Yeah. But I just, now I know what it's like to love somebody the way that they're trying to depict him loving that kid. Mm-hmm. And so I've become more sensitive to that kind of stuff. So especially when stories involve kids mm-hmm. and young kids or yeah. breaks in relationships and things like that, that stuff is starting to, I'm becoming sensitized to it as opposed to desensitized, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's good. interesting. Yeah. But yeah, story is a big deal in life and in this movie and I think in all the best movies. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Hey guys, pardon my brief interruption here, but do you need a new pair of headphones? If you do, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Urban Vinyl. They make premium wood headphones that look amazing. But here's the thing. They're made by audiophiles for audiophiles, so they sound as good as they look. In fact, reviewers have called their headphones the best headphones on the market, better even than Bose and Beats. And you know what? I agree. They're what I use when I record this podcast. Please consider purchasing a pair using the link in the show notes. If you click the link to their website and use the promo code J, my name, my first name, J-A-Y, super simple, you save 15% and Urban Vinyl will make a donation to the Reclamation Society. So if you need headphones or you're looking to upgrade the pair that you currently have, definitely take a look at what Urban Vinyl has to offer. Click the link in the show notes to visit their website and use my name, J-A-Y, to get the 15% discount. Thanks for letting me interrupt. Now, let's get back to the show. Okay, so to kind of veer away from that a little bit, in this story, Kubo's grandfather does eventually catch up to him, and they face off, and Kubo defeats him sort of by embracing the ancestors of the village and embracing their humanity and the story of their humanity mm-hmm. and literally sort of using it as this magical shield to keep the grandfather from hurting him and the other villagers. And that's when you really start to get the picture that humanity is enlightened in a way that Kubo's celestial grandfather is not. Yeah. And they that's his weakness and they can use that against him. Mm-hmm. And so that's what they do. Kubo 
gives this huge flash of light to him and basically strips away his deity mm -hmm. and he becomes just a man an old man yeah. who doesn't seem to remember anything about what he's done and so he's just this old man in a village full of people and he doesn't know why he's there and so he's vulnerable and the villagers have been attacked by him terrorized by him he murdered kubo's mother and father mm -hmm. so there's a whole village full of people who have it in for him yeah. <laughs> and have every reason to make him pay for what he's done mm. yet when he becomes a man that's not what they do immediately they embrace him and show him compassion and they tell him he's like who am i and they're like oh you're the nicest man in the village and they start rattling off all the cool things he's done yeah and they're yeah. like this is your grandson kubo he's a wonderful boy you know and immediately they just forget everything that he's done for the sake of fostering the good in him mm -hmm. which is a big deal you don't see a lot of movies end that way yeah yeah you know um so how did that kind of speak to you when you saw that yeah it was an unexpected end yeah I, yeah, you're getting to that point of the film and, and you have no clue how this is going to play out, mm -hmm. which is another sign of a good film. Um, to see the power of compassion, use that word, and it's the right one uh, in that context. Um, I find myself, as you're asking the question, going back to <clears throat> times when you have been, when I have been hurt or wronged by someone and you have to make a choice. Am I going to hate them or love them? Yeah. Am I going to forgive them or seek vengeance? Or, you know, it's, there's typically some, uh, several black and white response options. Yeah. And you realize the huge risk of going the love route, the compassion route, the kindness route, the going the extra mile route, the, um, you know, there's so many real life stories that are that. Mm -hmm. um, if you have a family member who's an alcoholic and they have been for a while, um, how many times do you give them another chance? How many times do you try to help again? I mean, that's there's so many direct corollaries to yeah it's really hard and scary and risky to go that route but then again the payoff could be really spectacular as yeah. it is in this film yeah and it's and it, it's almost like it's one step further too it it is love and it is compassion but they're even going farther and being like we're not just gonna accept you in spite of what you've done we're actually going to make an effort to foster something better in you. Yeah. We're going to put effort into you. We're going to care about you more than we care yeah. about ourselves yeah. and act that out. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. So, it'd be amazing if the world really looked that way. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, and you know, I can speaking, you know, I've dealt with, um, a temper. I've had a temper for a good portion of my life. And I can get frustrated easily. 
And speaking as somebody who has been on the end where I have frustrated people Hmm. regularly sometimes. Those times when those people are willing to not only forgive that, but are willing to remember that that's not who I am Hmm. at the core. Mm -hmm. That's a flaw that I have, but I'm something different than that flaw. Speaking as that person... That is incredibly impactful. Yeah. Because to have somebody recognize and be faithful to you in that way mm-hmm. is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good word. So, And it takes um, shared story for someone to get to the place where they can do that with you. Yeah. You know, community. You think of that village. Yeah. Great picture mm-hmm. of community. And um, how th- that's a in a in a very practical sense, sacred space, mm-hmm. and uh, you're not. We don't readily invite people into that sacred space, but as as our stories work together over time, uh, we reach that tipping point, if you will, where we take the risk of inviting somebody into in in a risky way, so we know them better. You know, yeah. the knowing and the being known, the intimacy of human relationship. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of um, there's a store we frequent regularly, and there's a, a homeless gentleman who uh, is outside that store three out of five times that we visit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, many times we just walk by and maybe, maybe said hi, if pretty quickly got around to getting to know his name and, and have a very cordial walking by him frequently relationship. <laughs> One day I, um, I thought I, maybe, maybe we're at that tipping point. So I sat down by <laughs> yeah. him and I said, uh, Hey, um, and I used his name. I won't use it now. Um, what's your story? And oh my goodness, Daryl, the shields just went up immediately. And, uh, why do you want to know? Yeah. And I, well, not there yet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to share history yet. Yeah, but we're slowly, I think, getting there with him. Yeah. He seems like he has a good heart. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing I think is interesting in the movie is there's such an emphasis on people becoming whole by learning their story. Mm, Yeah. And um, really figuring out who they are. Yet there's also this other picture when you look at the grandfather because... When he gets to the point at the end of the movie, after Kubo basically has that final strike against him, he doesn't, it's a different experience for him. He's not remembering his story. He can't remember anything. Yeah. He's getting to start a new one. Mm-hmm. He's getting a whole second chance to write his story. Yeah. Which is something that we don't get in life, <laughs> really, yeah. you know? I mean, in certain areas, maybe we do. Yeah. You know, but holistically like that, I don't think that happens. Yeah. yeah, and, and that's, that part of the film is one of those parts where you'd want to watch it again and, and because there was more feeding into it than you could put together when it culminated. Yeah. Um, but the good news is, um, you know, there's a great line that a guy I used to work with said, um, it's never too late to start doing what's right. Yeah. And in that sense, we, we really can 
if not rewrite our story, we can um, we can write chapters that can be much more memorable and, yeah. and valuable than not valuable, much more memorable and um, helpful than the mm -hmm. earlier ones. Yeah, there's a line that Kubo's mom when she's a monkey. That's something we didn't even talk about. Like so, that is bizarre. So Kubo's parents in this movie. You know, he, he doesn't realize, they don't even, re well, his dad doesn't realize that he's his dad at first. This is all confusing. You should watch the movie. You'll get yeah, it. Yeah, but yeah. he basically goes through this journey with a monkey and a giant um, beetle in samurai armor, who, as it turns out, the monkey is his mother and the beetle is his father. Yeah. Um, so, but there's a line that his mother says during the movie when she's, and she's talking about death. Um, she says the end of one story is merely the beginning of another, mm. which is kind of a good foreshadowing of what happens with Kubo's True. grandfather. Yeah. yeah, you know he experiences that not necessarily in death, but almost in new life. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of see that in what you're talking about too. Like, yeah, you can't rewrite your story, but you can sort of put a period on it and yeah. start something new. Yeah, you know? it's like those books that. Uh there will be five chapters and that's part one. Yeah. And then you, chapter six begins part two. Mm -hmm. It's sort of like that. Yeah. Well, is there anything else that stood out to you in the movie that you wanted to highlight before we wrap up? When I'm watching a film, and we hinted at this earlier, and I'm studying the visual excellence. and Which have, is incredible. Which is in incredible. <laughs> and... and frequently asking myself how do they do that yeah and then at the end they show this one clip of that member of that the skeleton yeah. monster guy yeah. and you're like no way that's just amazing just that one little part of it yeah and but, it's huge like i tend to think of stop motion animation as being these little like shoebox sized sets where they're like yeah have these little figures and stuff but this thing's colossal it like takes up the whole room yeah yeah so, a warehouse room yeah yeah, that was pretty cool. And I think there's some special features on the DVD, too, that you can get an even more, even a bigger look at how they do it. But sure. yeah, it's incredible. It looks amazing. And throughout the course of it, you kind of forget that you're watching animation. Yeah. Like, it's that good. Yeah, yeah. Which is a testament to the story, just as much as it is the visuals. Mm -hmm. But, yep, it's a great one. So, we said it before, but we'll say it again. If you haven't seen Kubo and the Two Strings... Go see it. Even though we've told you everything about it, it's still worth your time. Yeah. It's better um, than we could describe it. Yeah, you just got to see it. Um, so, Jack, thanks for being here today. You're welcome. Thanks for the invite. This has been fun. Yeah. Might have to do another podcast sometime. We can do it. We can do it. We should get we can get Jay in on one, too. That'd be a blast. Get the three of us talking. That'd be fun. Um, and thank you guys for listening to the Story Geeks podcast yet again. Um, hang in there. Jay will have some information for you, and um, I will talk to you next time. So thanks for listening. Bye. Special thanks to Daryl Smith and Jack Latour. Great discussion, guys. I don't know whether or not I got my scale of 1 to 10 rating system from Jack, but he is an amazing guy, so if I did get it from him, that is cool with me. 
What do you think about Daryl and Jack's discussion? Let us know. Write us an email at hi at reclamationsociety.org. Stay tuned. We're jumping right back into our Star Wars series, so go hit the subscribe button right now. You do not want to miss our Star Wars series. It's been very popular, and thank you for the feedback. And if you have an extra minute while you're out on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts, write us a review. As always, question everything in your favorite stories and always seek the truth.